no right to secede. The Texas had joined the United States, not the North or the South. Several years later, he modified his pitch. Maybe the states had that right, he conceded, but that war would be bloody, expensive, and ruinous. Few were swayed. Texans didn't like to listen. Neither, for that matter, did Houston. For his whole life, he had maintained an idiosyncratic, stubborn, and occasionally self-defeating sense of principle. On his wedding night, his wife had confessed to him that she was in love with someone else. He was too humiliated to stay in Nashville, but he took an ad in the papers warning that anyone who questioned her virtue would pay for the libel with his heart's blood. As he prepared to lead the Texans into the Battle of San Jacinto in April 1836, he knew they would be badly outnumbered again. Twice in the preceding six weeks, the Mexican army had massacred the revolutionaries, first at the Alamo, where the Texans hadn't surrendered, and then at Goliad, where they had. In light of that, Houston took only one precaution. He ordered his troops to burn the bridges behind them. And when the Mexican army surrendered, when the monstrously erratic president and general Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana was finally captured, it was Houston whom he asked for mercy. That man may consider himself born to no common destiny who has conquered the Napoleon of the West, said Santa Anna, and now it remains for him to be generous to the vanquished. You should have remembered that at the Alamo, Houston said. He had been wounded in the battle and was lying on a blanket under an oak tree. A biographer would later write that a ring of savage Texans had pressed around with ominous looks on their faces and ominous stains on their knives. But Houston spared Santa Ana's life and laid out the terms of the armistice that ended the revolution. And now Houston was wounded again. The severest pang, he wrote, is that the blow comes in the name of the state of Texas. It's common for stories about Texas to start at the siege of the Alamo, and for good reason. That half-accidental battle is at the emotional core of the state's story about itself. And in Texas, as in the United States, origin stories have been reified by belief and devotion. But this isn't just a story about the state. One of the fundamental truths about Texas is that although the state is genuinely sui generis and self-consciously different from the other states, it is in many ways the most American of all. Texas is part of the United States. This is a story about both of them. That's why it makes sense to start with Houston. He was among the first people to see that Texas was part of the United States, even before the United States was committed to it and even if Texans wavered along the way. In retrospect, he was right. Today, Texas sometimes looks like the United States taken to its logical conclusion, with Texans themselves being an exaggerated version of Americans, the revolutionaries among the revolutionaries, the fighters who never left the ring, the inmates taking over the asylum. These are the super-Americans, as New Yorker writer John Bainbridge put it in his 1961 book of the same title. America on steroids, agreed The Economist in 2002. If people are resistant to this conclusion, you can hardly blame them. Texas is, despite Florida and New Jersey, America's most controversial state. And when skeptical outsiders look at it, they have plenty to pick on. It has creationists on the State Board of Education. It has evangelicals in the governor's mansion. 
except during those episodes when the governor has to move to a taxpayer-funded McMansion because someone threw a Molotov cocktail over the gates, 2008 to 2012. It has America's biggest prison population and its busiest death row. It grew rich on oil and worked that wealth on behalf of cronies, dirtying itself and the nation in the process. Meanwhile, if you want to talk about schools, about health care, about poverty, Texas is at the bottom of the pack, keeping company with its bedraggled southern neighbors. The politicians all wish they were cowboys, and on the rare but unfortunate occasions when they get to national office, they go hog-wild, they start wars, they take the rule of law out for target practice. When confronted with any of these charges, Texas's leaders are blithely unconcerned. They might even take them as a compliment and think about running for president. It's like a whole other country, as one of the officials.